Hey, good morning, everybody, and happy Father's Day. Right off the bat, I want to jump on the bandwagon. I've got a few more dad jokes for you. Are you excited? Of course you are. So here we go. What's blue and not very heavy? Light blue. Some of you didn't like that one, but don't worry, I've got more. Why do we never see elephants hiding in trees? It's because they're really good at it. <laughs> Trying again. Why do tennis players never get married? Because for them, love means nothing. <laughs> All right, last one. Uh, the other day after dinner, uh, my wife asked if I could clear the table. I needed a running start, but I made it. I don't know if you saw, there's a new study. <laughs> I don't know if you saw, there's a, a new study that says dad jokes are good for kids. They teach children to endure embarrassment, and they help them become more resilient adults. And I've got a couple kids in this service, so... Hey, that was for you guys. You're, you're going to be very resilient adults. But uh, we seriously do want to celebrate our fathers here this morning. And after service, uh, we want to invite all dads to go out into the gathering area. And we've got some really cool gifts uh, out there. They came from Harbor Freight. And you can pick up one of these things, all kinds of stuff. Tape measures, levels, chamois cloths. You can get a roll of duct tape. I mean... These are gifts you can use, absolutely. So uh, I encourage you to go out there, and I hope you like whatever you end up with. Well, this is a fun weekend at Plum Creek. Uh, we hosted All-Star Camp this weekend for elementary kids. We'll hear more about that in a few minutes. But I've also been looking forward to this morning's sermon. Last week, David, our worship minister, stepped in and he preached while I was gone and he did a great job. He wrapped up our series called Kingdom Habits. Next Sunday, we're starting a new series. So we're kind of in between series this week and we're going to take some time to focus on fatherhood since it is Father's Day. And if you are not a dad, that's okay. Uh, this message will apply to you as well, but it'll be especially relevant for fathers. And I want to begin by reading what I think is one of the best dad verses in the Bible. It's Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Now, this is where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And it's this amazing moment. Jesus comes up out of the water, and the Spirit of God comes down like a dove. That happens in Matthew three sixteen, And then here's verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And you see what's happening in this verse. God the Father publicly praises Jesus, the Son of God. The Father says, let it be known that I love my son and I am very proud of him. So right here, God gives us a great example for dads, because every child needs to hear these two things from a father. Number one, I love you. And number two, I'm proud of you. 
when a child grows up hearing those words from a father and believing those words, that child is blessed for life in a profound way. The truth is, dads are a big deal. And listen, I don't say that to take anything away from mothers. It is absolutely true. The role of a mother is crucial. And I think most people agree with that truth. However, many people in our culture have lost sight of the importance of a father. A father has a powerful influence in the life of a child. If a dad is present, that's a big deal. If a dad is absent, that's also a big deal. If he is a good example or a bad example, if he's loving or if he's harsh, if he directs his children or if he just lets them drift, whatever happens or does not happen is a big deal. A father can be a lifelong blessing for a child or he can leave lifelong wounds. Years ago, I told a story that illustrates the importance of a father, and I wanted to share that again today. And the story begins several decades ago, way over in South Africa in the Kruger National Park and Game Reserve. This, this park, the, the rangers were trying to protect endangered elephants, and, and their efforts were pretty successful. In fact, they were so successful, they had a new problem. The ev- elephant population had grown so much, they were out of room. They needed to do something, so the rangers came up with a plan. They would relocate some of these elephants to a different park in Africa. Now, as you can imagine, elephant transport is not an easy task, so here's what they did. They, they used harnesses, and they airlifted the elephants using helicopters, and it worked really well, perfectly, for the younger elephants and for the females. But for the huge adult males, those harnesses weren't strong enough, so they thought, hey, no worries, we'll just leave the bull elephants behind. Well, at first, it seemed like the problem was solved. That relocation went off without a hitch, but that wasn't the end of the story. After a year or two, the rangers in the new park saw some strange and disturbing things. You see, this new park had a different endangered species, the white rhinoceros. And rangers were very concerned because they began to find the bodies of dead rhinos. These rhinos had suffered a violent death. And at first, the the rangers suspected poachers, but that didn't really make sense because the horns of these rhinos were intact, still there. So they set up some security cameras, and they discovered the culprits. The rhinos had been killed by elephants. Specifically, they were killed by juvenile male elephants. The cameras showed these young thugs chasing after the rhinos and charging at them, knocking them down, and goring them to death. It was brutal. In all, 39 rhinos were killed. Finally, the the rangers developed a new plan. They said, what if... We go back to that old park, and we bring some of those bull elephants over here. 
And they had to figure out how to make that work. They developed a, a system that had never been done before, but it succeeded. And guess what happened? Those big male bull elephants, they taught those juvenile delinquents a thing or two. They modeled the behavior of a mature male, and they kept the younger ones in line. They even began sparring with them, which burned up some of that out-of-control testosterone. And within a week, one week, the violence stopped completely. Not one rhino was killed after the bulls were brought in. Isn't that amazing? And I think that illustrates what I said earlier. Dads are a big deal. There are statistics from human society that reflect the same thing. For instance, listen to this. Around 75 to 85% of young males in prison come from fatherless homes. Now, I'm not saying that we can blame the crimes of these young prisoners on what their fathers did or did not do. But what I am saying is this. By God's design, dads are a big deal. Now, I realize we need to be careful as we deal with this topic. As many of us have been wounded by a dad who fell short of what a father should be. That story is too common, and it's painful. At the same time, though, there are a lot of us dads out there that are we're not perfect, but we're trying to get it right. We really are. And sometimes that, that responsibility feels heavy. Because you can read stats and hear things that sound like, hey, hey, fathers, if you don't spend enough time with your kids, they'll probably end up drug dealers or something like that. And then you're thinking back, like, wow, how many hours did I spend with my kids this week? Was it enough? Am I doing enough? So today, we need to address two issues. On the one hand, fathers do need to be challenged. On the other hand, dads need a break. We need someone to say, you know what? Fatherhood is a very difficult task, and it's okay if you don't have it all figured out, but hang in there. It is worth the fight. This morning, I don't want dads to feel beat down, but I do want dads to be called up. I need to be called up. I'm only 14 years into this dad game. I know I still have a lot to learn. I know there are challenges ahead of me that I can't even imagine at this point. I also want to say one more thing before we continue. If you happen to be a single mother raising kids, I don't want you to be discouraged either this morning. I believe the... The role of a single mom is one of the toughest jobs there is. And I heard uh, the other day, someone said, when a father steps out, God will step in. So as a church, um, and if you are a single mom, we are cheering you on. We want to encourage you and help in any way we can. Uh, we want our kids' ministry and student ministry to partner with you, to provide you resources and, and caring adults who can reinforce what you're teaching at home. We also want to connect you with other women, other moms, mentors who can walk alongside you in this journey. You know, when God's church is working right, we function as a family. We need to help each other out because we all need help. And part of that is 
challenging each other sometimes, and so that's what today is. This morning I have a challenge that's for all of us, but it especially relates to fathers. And here it is, simple challenge, be someone worth following. That's universal, right? We all have opportunities to be a good example for someone else. We all have opportunities to be a good example for a younger person, whether you're a parent or not. But I do believe this challenge is especially important for fathers. And why is that? Because dads are a big deal. So that's it. Be someone worth following. And at first, this looks really straightforward until you start to break it down and ask, well, how? How am I supposed to reach that goal? And, and what does it look like exactly? And is it even possible? Is it possible to be a good example every day, all day? Man, that's pretty overwhelming. Well, I've got an answer to the how question this morning. There's a lot of things we could talk about here, but I believe this is the best answer to the question, how do we do this? It's simple, but it's kind of difficult at the same time. Here's the answer. If you want to be someone worth following, follow Jesus. And I don't say that flippantly. I don't say that because it's the churchy answer you would expect the preacher to say. I say it because it's true. Jesus is the best leader in the history of the world. He is the best mentor who has ever been. He's the best father figure No one has ever been a better father figure than Jesus, even though he didn't have biological children of his own. Only Jesus related to others with the perfect balance of truth and love, discipline and grace. Man, it didn't matter if you were a religious hypocrite who needed to be confronted. It didn't matter if you were a humiliated adulteress who needed forgiveness and hope. Jesus gave everyone exactly what they needed. He approached every individual with their best interests in mind. And throughout history, from the time of the original disciples up to this present day, everyone who surrenders to his leadership is eternally blessed. And we want to follow that example. If you want to be a great father, lead your children in the same way that Jesus led others. Be like Jesus in your words, in your actions, in your priorities. And at some point, you want to echo the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, where he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now, let's be honest. That verse is super intimidating. Can you imagine saying that to your kids pulling them aside and saying, hey guys, you want to know how to live? You just do what I do. Follow my example because you're going to see the example of Jesus in me. And and I, I don't do that on my own strength. I do that because of him. But man, that's a big statement to make, isn't it? I don't know if I can quite do that yet. But that's where we need to be moving. And the reality is, if you are serious about following Jesus, and if you are letting Him work in your life, letting Him transform you through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be moving in that direction. You'll grow to become more like Jesus, and and you'll learn to do what God tells fathers to do. 
It's a great example of God's instructions to fathers in Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. It's a very short verse, but there's a lot of powerful truth packed into those few words. This verse tells us to lead our children in the way that Jesus led. According to this verse, fathers who follow Jesus will have a balance of instruction and discipline and love. Full of truth, but also full of love. Several years ago, a bunch of men at Plum Creek went through a program called Men's Fraternity. And in one of those sessions, a Bible teacher named Robert Knight shared a chart of parenting styles. And and I thought this was really helpful, so I wanted to share this chart with you this morning. We start with two continuums, vertical and horizontal. On that vertical continuum, you have a high level of love at the top, low level of love at the bottom. Then you get that horizontal continuum, discipline instruction, just like we saw in that verse. There's a low level on the left and a high level of discipline and instruction on the right. And this chart will show us the four most common styles of parenting. On the lower left, you have the neglectful parenting style. Uh, There's not much love there. There's not much discipline or instruction either. In some cases, this parent is completely absent. So, not ideal, obviously. Right above neglectful is the permissive style of parenting. And when a child grows up with that approach, they get a lot of love, a lot of uh, affirmation, but they don't get much in the way of boundaries or direction. In the lower right-hand corner, you've got the authoritarian style. This parent is really a dictator. They are controlling to the extreme. It's that low love, high discipline and instruction style. Finally, in the upper right-hand corner, you've got the authoritative parent. So if you're an authoritative parent, you, you do provide plenty of instruction, plenty of discipline, but also plenty of love. So these are the four parenting styles. And I want to ask you for a second, think back as you were growing up, what was your dad like? Which of these four styles best matches your dad? I think in this room, we probably hear all four answers from uh, one person or another, but I think a lot of us would say our dad was kind of that authoritarian style. And why is that? Well, for a lot of men, that's what comes naturally. For a lot of men, um, it's not especially natural to be very sensitive, uh, very affectionate, very warm. You know, a lot of men like action, like results. And so the discipline and instruction is, uh, is what comes naturally. But if we want to lead like Jesus, what does our model need to be? It's not authoritarian. It's authoritative. That's where Jesus was all the time. So if you want to be a great father or a great leader or a great mentor, that's where you land. 
get that balance of instruction and discipline and love. And you know, those three elements, they have to be more than just talking points. And this is another important aspect of following Jesus well. Fathers who follow Jesus have a walk that matches the talk. So if you're a dad, that means you ask the tough question. Does my life reflect the values that I want to pass down to my kids? When I say that something is true, do they see that in me? Am I living like it's true? When I say that something is important, do they see that in me? Am I living like that's important? You know, we can't fall into that mindset that says, do as I say, not as I do. Our kids are too smart for that. They know what we really value even if it's different than what we say we value. And once again, Jesus is the perfect example here. He said to his disciples, you need to serve others. But he didn't just say that, did he? What did he do? He knelt down and he washed his disciples' feet. He also said, hey, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself and pick up your cross every day. But he didn't just say that, did he? He literally carried his cross and he allowed his enemies to nail him to that cross because there was a greater purpose there. Now, of course, no one is perfect outside of Jesus. We all know that. But is it possible to be an ordinary human father who walks the talk? Absolutely. It is. You know how I know that? I know it because God gave me a great gift, and I don't take it for granted. God blessed me with a father who has walked the talk for 92 years now. I've mentioned before that my dad was a preacher, but we all know that being a preacher doesn't necessarily mean that you practice what you preach. But my dad did. You know, it wasn't really dad's sermons that stuck with me. It was everything that I experienced outside of his sermons. For one thing, uh, he really followed the instructions that you find in Deuteronomy 6, where it says to impress God's commands on your children all the time. When you sit down, when you walk along the road, uh, when, when you are at home, when you, when, you, when you get up in the morning. That's what dad did. I'll give you a small example. One of the non-negotiables in our home growing up was that uh, my brother and I, every evening, would sit down with dad and we'd read scripture and pray together before we went to bed. I wasn't always excited about that being a non-negotiable, especially as I got older especially on those nights when I had friends come over to stay the night. I'd be like, Dad, please, can we not do Bible time tonight? And the answer was always, no, we're going to do it. I didn't always like that, but it happened. And these days, as I look back, it's pretty cool. I think I remember more from those evening Bible times with my dad than I remember from his sermons. Guess what? In our home today, Hannah and I have carried on this practice, and I'll be honest, uh, we don't have Bible time every single night, 
but it is the normal pattern in our family. Our kids expect it, and it's been a blessing for us too. Now, I want to be clear. Uh, my father was not perfect. I did see him lose his temper now and then. He was never violent, but he could get pretty mad. He also wasn't always the best at conflict resolution, but I never, ever once saw anything in him that made me think he didn't believe in the Jesus he preached about. I never doubted that he loved my mom, that he loved my brother, and that he loved me. And I never doubted that he loved God more than anything else in life. Man, what a huge blessing. And I don't share that to make you feel better or worse about your experience with your father. I share that to say, yes, it is possible. It is possible to live with integrity, to walk that talk, for your life to match what you teach. And there are dads doing this. There are men in this church doing this. So I'm not backing down from this challenge. Every dad should be someone worth following. And the best way to reach that goal is to follow Jesus. But we can't end there. Earlier I said, I don't want dads to feel beat down. And if we did stop right there, that's kind of heavy, isn't it? Just be like Jesus every day. But like I said, we can't stop there. I, I need to share one more important thing about what it means to follow Jesus well. Fathers who follow Jesus admit their weakness. Go back and read about Jesus in the Gospels. Who was Jesus really tough on? And he was actually very kind to people who uh, were willing to admit their failures and ask for forgiveness. Jesus accepted and forgave those people every time. But he was super tough on the ones who put up a front, on the ones who pretended that they were better than they were, trying to fool others, or maybe even trying to fool themselves. So admit your weakness. That's what the Apostle Paul did over in 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, Paul made this great statement. He was praying, and he said, uh, Jesus told me something. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So, Paul publicly put himself out there. He said, I'm weak. This morning, I'm putting myself out there. I'm weak too. There are so many times when I need to be strong, and I'm just not there but that's why we need a relationship with Jesus in the first place, right? That's why we need his grace. We can't be good enough on our own, but through Jesus, he makes us good enough where we can be forgiven and then we can be growing to, to, to develop into that example of his character. You know, that's a huge relief, isn't it? That it's not all on our shoulders, that this role of fatherhood isn't all about me. Man, I can't take all the credit if my kids turn out well. I can't take all the blame if my kids end up being a bunch of hooligans. But it is true, dads are a big deal. But why? 
Well, dads are a big deal because that's how God designed the world. And all along, he knew that we were weak. He knew that we were imperfect. And God calls imperfect people to help build his kingdom. Even his kingdom that's in your home. We need help. And God is ready and willing to help us. If we ask and we're willing to receive it, and we need the power of God's Holy Spirit working in us and through us. We also need brothers in Christ who will encourage us and challenge us and sharpen us. That's all part of God's design. And by the way, if you need other men to encourage you on this journey, man, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, contact one of the ministers on staff and we'd be glad to connect you uh, with other men at this church. Well, that, that is our challenge this morning. Simple, but difficult. Be someone worth following. And if you're a dad, I encourage you to be the best father you can possibly be. Find that balance of instruction and discipline and love. But more than anything else, point your kids to Jesus. Whether they're 5, 25, or 50. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can do that. And there are a couple ways to do that. On the one hand, you can leverage your strengths to point others to Jesus. On those days when you're doing well, you can say, hey, this is not about me. This is about Jesus in me. And on those other days when you don't get it right, you can leverage your weaknesses to point others to Jesus. You can say, I'm so sorry I messed up this time. But I'm so thankful for the grace of Jesus. I'm so thankful that every day he is helping me learn from my failures, helping me become more like him. This is really the best contribution you can make to this world or to your kids. Point them to Jesus. Now, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, that's where you got to start. Take that first step, surrender your life to him, and let him go to work. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I want to take this moment and point you to him. Because you can take that step. You can run to him. He is the only way to get to your heavenly father. And your heavenly father is the only perfect dad you will ever have. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for who you are. You are good, beyond good. You're perfect, you're holy, and you're also loving, and we're so grateful for that. And we thank you for Jesus and, and for that example that we have to follow. And you know that <laughs> it's hard to live like Jesus. And so we pray for help. Every single day, we need that help. And I pray that we would look to you and find that and that others would see us every day growing more and more to walk that talk. I know that will make a huge difference in our homes, in our communities, in our country, and in this world. And so we pray for that, that your kingdom would come and that it would start in each of us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.